Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> All right. How's everybody? Can everybody hear me in the back? How about now? Still good? Because I move around. Good. All right. So I really hope everybody brought your Bibles. If you didn't, the, the, the screen will have whatever verses we need because this is going to be real, real Bible intensive today. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So real quick, we're going we're gonna to break down exactly who we are in Jesus, who we have been called. Because I can tell you through my entire life, I didn't know. I didn't know who I was exactly in Jesus because I didn't get into the Word. Today we're going to get into the Word and it's going to be good. Um, so real quick, I want to break down exactly who we are before you know, Christ comes into the picture. We're going to get right into 1 Corinthians 3.19. Oh. Right, i got to do that too. It says, for the wisdom of this world is folly with God, is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. We're going to run into James 3.15. I'm going to go real fast with just these because it's simply, it's just simply breaking down who we are apart from the wonderful wisdom of God. James 3.15, if you put that up on the screen real quick, I don't know if you have it or not. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Throughout my entire life, when I was, when I was in, uh, I was even in church, there would be days where I did, they would say, okay, write down, write down your prayer requests. And I would put, I do better in school and wisdom. And it would be every single week. Every single week I would ask for wisdom and I didn't understand what really that meant, but I knew that I needed it. And it said, it says in James, in James one five that if you ask for ask for wisdom from God, He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. But the problem was that I was asking for wisdom, and then living the way I wanted to live. I would go to church, and I would and I would I would, I would, I would, I would praise, and I'd, I'd thank the Lord God. For his goodness, and I'd feel this this wrench in my heart of, but that's not who I am. These are this isn't how I'm living. I would go to church and I would go on Monday and and that's I would be a totally different person. It was a, a complete shift change. I would go to church and I would have my God, and then go about my week as is, hoping that God would break through my own wall that I had built up. But the problem is that I had built that wall up. There was a disconnect. There was a simple understanding. Yes, I was saved from hell, but I didn't understand the saving from sin. There wasn't that understanding of, okay, well, I'm a different person now. That's what it says, but I didn't believe it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know it. It says in, in Genesis uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 26, that we are created in the image of God. From the very beginning, God spoke with Jesus and he said, let's make, let's make someone in our image. 
Let's create a being that we love so much. And I want I want to show him how much we love we love that love that person by making him look like us. Making him be like us. And we are fully created in the image of God. And even before, before we ever ever accept the, the free gift of, of, of Christ, we are loved. And it says, and if you want to pull up John 3, 16 and 17. I know you guys have heard this, these verses many times. If you've been in church, if you haven't, get ready because it's really awesome. <laughs> 3, 16 and 17. John 3, 16 and 17. I'm not used to this yet. I will be. And said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that's awesome. We've heard it many different times that God has gave his only Son that we would have eternal life. But it goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That was the biggest hassle in my life is simply that, Okay, I'm saved. Good, I'm saved, and that means that I can live however I want to live, right? So that's, that's exactly what that means. So I can, I can live how I want to live, and when I die, I'm going to heaven. But there's that little piece of you, that little, that, that little bit, when you don't understand, it's a little bit. When you understand, it's a lot bit, and it'll just walk with you every, bit, every, every step of your way, where there's an understanding of, no, that's not true. Because that's not what grace is. Grace is understanding what the real sacrifice was for God to give his only son. He knew from the very beginning that it would have to happen. But, but to God to give his only son to die for us is a complete and perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice for us that all sin. Not just what was before, but what was after and what is current. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What are we saved from? Because if the world is saved currently, are we simply saved from hell or what else are we saved for? We're saved from sin. And I didn't truly understand that for the longest time. And, and it goes on to promise that. You are completely and totally loved. First, you are no longer human. Like it said in, in 1 Corinthians 3.19 and James 3.15, you are no longer human. Be, be completely. I hear this all the time. I'm only human. I'm only human. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm only human. In James 3.15, it says that a human wisdom is evil. It is demonic. So to be only human is to be only demonic and evil. You must separate yourself from that. To understand the full and true gift of God through his son, through the death of his son, is to understand that you are set apart from this that when you walk each and every day, though you are attached to your flesh, though you are attached to your sinful flesh, that those chains are broken. We sing about it all the time. Lord God, break every chain. Well, the chains have been broken. It's our understanding. We have to understand that we don't keep putting ourselves in that chain. And I would do that every single week. And I understand that, that some of you, 
dealing with that today. I know that just, just by the given understanding of how church works. Some people slip through the cracks. So what we need to do right now, like, like starting today, is really just keep that interwoven understanding of how are you doing? How are you doing? There's something to be said for accountability. It's very, very important in the Christian walk because when you slip through the cracks, just that little bit of sand getting in there, just that little bit just irritating. Whoa, you did this. Well, I guess that's who you are now. You stole something, you're a thief. Well, okay, so I'm a thief. But God says, you're not a sinner anymore. You're free. I love you. You're free. You're perfect in his eyes, covered by the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. We can get uh, right our order over to Romans 8, 37 and 39. things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God Christ Jesus our Lord we are no longer human we are made in the image of God and we are loved even before we are we are we accept the full perfect gift of God we are loved and we are made in the image of God. And though we are currently living in the flesh, God has called us not to. He reaches down and says, I love you. Like I said this is going to be real biblically intensive today. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. And I'm happy to get anybody, anybody wants any kind of a copy of these notes. Be happy to get that to you. Because it's better than the the Holy Spirit speak than I do. Because I ramble. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Even while you were yet sinners. Here's the thing. Anybody, any, any grammar buffs in the audience? In the congregation today? Anybody understand what, what while you were once sinners mean? What, what kind of tense is that? Past tense. <laughs> the moment it says in the word that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus has to be Lord of your life. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You are saved from that very moment. You are welcomed into the kingdom of God. And it said earlier that no amount of, of, of power, of, of heaven or hell, or, or what man can come against, no one can snatch you from the love of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, and 13 and 14, it promises the Holy Spirit. It is sealed. You are promised you the gift of the Holy Spirit until your inheritance. 
But that inheritance starts the moment that you, that you give your life over to God. That's the one thing that I, uh, that I didn't understand. That's the one thing that I did not understand was that there was uh, not just a gift that came after I died. It wasn't just a, okay, so I'm saved. And if I don't move from this spot, then I'm good. And I won't go to hell. And God's going to love me. And I will just stay in this one spot. And I'll be good. And I'll be okay. And then I'll go to heaven. And then I'll know God. No, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect gift in the moment that you accept the Lord. The moment that you accept Lord as your, Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And after that, the Holy Spirit's going to open up your eyes. Just ask him. Holy Spirit, just open my eyes to, to what you have for me each and every day. Just show me who I am in you. Because that's the one thing you have to understand is your identity is the most important uh, part of your relationship with God. You are saved. You are free. You are purchased, redeemed, not a saved slave to sin. You are a son and a daughter. You are one with the Father, a friend of God. And it's so important that you understand because the moment that you don't know who you are in Christ, it's that moment the devil gets his foot in the door. It's that moment where your mind starts to wander and you start to look at the waves and you start to see the lies. And there's truth in those lies. That's the one thing, oh, that's so... It's intense. The, 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 the flaming arrows, that make me so mad. They're just lies wrapped in truth. Because, yeah, I stole something. I lied. But am I a thief and am I a liar in the eyes of God? The wisdom of man is imperfect and demonic. When we see someone steal and we see someone lie... We label them as liars and thieves. But they don't, the problem is that they don't understand how much God loves them. Because if they really understood how much God loves them, they wouldn't do anything to break that trust, to break that relationship. I want to break down real quick your freedom in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, Verses 34 and 36. Or 34 through 36. Now right here Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. They don't understand. They don't see. They don't see who's standing right in front of them and they're mad. They're mad that, they, that anyone could, could come up and, and say, I'm the son of God. Through me. All things are possible. And Jesus answered them saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is slave to sin. So that doesn't, that doesn't matter. Here's the thing. The problem, with, the problem with what we understand is that when you practice sin, sin you're slave to sin. Practicing sin is, is so what, what do we call it? We call it a doctor. A doctor practices and so does a lawyer. That's their job. That's who they are. So when you're practicing something, that's just what you do. So if you're a practicing sin, you are a slave to sin. 
The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So before we accept the gift of God, we are practicers of sin. That's our job. That's what we do. It's not that we don't have a choice. It's simply that that's what our flesh is. We are in the flesh. Before we accept the the perfect will and and gift of God, we are simply in the flesh. And as soon as as Christ is is Lord of your life, as soon as you accept him uh, as Lord of your life, you are no longer a slave to sin. And we won't know that until we dig deep in the word. It's so important. Every bit of scripture is important. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says it's useful for training, rebuke, and correcting, and, and just teaching and righteousness. It's perfect. It's never going to return void. And it's important that we dig deep into it, and that's the reason. That's the biggest reason any of us struggle. That's the, that's the biggest reason any of us struggle, because if we dig deep in the Word, we'll know what God has to say, and the Holy Spirit is going to speak through that Word. He says it's never going to return void. We will always get something from it. And the problem that the church currently has today is that we're not digging deep in the word. Because when you dig deep in the word, you hear what God has to say to you. You hear what God's word is. You hear what he has to speak to your heart. He tells you who you are. You don't need to listen to what the world has to say to you. You don't need to listen to what other people say that you are. God has already called you his son and his daughter. God has already labeled you. You are, you are perfect in his eyes. As soon as you have you've, uh, you know, accepted the, the perfect will and, the, and just the gift of, of Jesus Christ's death on that cross. And it doesn't need to be something that that weighs on your heart and on your head. The death of Jesus was a gift. And it was something to be rejoiced in, the fact that God loved us so much that he would just give it. He's a good father. He wants perfect things for his children. I wanted you to turn real quick to John 10. Just a couple pages over John 10, verses 24 through 30. I'm not used to this quiet thing. I teach a class in the morning, and it's normally a back and forth. Verse 24, so the Jews gathered together around him, that's Jesus, and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe me because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Bold words. (laughs) But true. Now, right there, let's break that down. So, we can hear the words all we want. We have to believe them. Because God says, it says in his word, God is not a man that he should lie. Every word that comes out of his mouth is truth. It's perfect. 
And I can guarantee you that every mouth that comes out of the, out of the enemy is, is a little, little bit, a lot of truth. It's a little bit, little little lie. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah, we're going to talk about brownies today. Yay! Oh, okay. So let's let's break down let's get, let's break down truth. Every every one of my every one of my kids in the class knows what poop brownies are. And I know y'all at home are probably going to be grossed out at the, at the idea of it, but you should be. So let's say that you're making brownies, and they're going to be good. But somehow, through some stroke of luck, a little bit of poop gets in there, and it mixes all together. Just a little bit. And you bake them up. They smell good. Are you going to eat those brownies? No, you're not. (laughs) Hunter. In your heart, you know you're not. Why not? Just a little bit. It's just a little lie. It's just a little bit of of sand that's just going to irritate and, and just grow bigger. But I'll tell you what, the more and more, you, you, if you were to ingest that, because that's what we do. Every time we sin, we eat it. We eat it. Every single time. And the more you do, the more you get a taste for that garbage. So eventually you just eat an excrement. It's true. It's true. I'm not going to come and sugarcoat it. I love you guys and I want you to know exactly what happens over time, you eventually just accept that this is who I am. I'm a sinner. Look at my sweater that the devil gave me. It's itchy. It's uncomfortable. And my name is misspelled. <laughs> in it, it's all stitched in there. It's who I am. But it's not. You gotta take that off. You gotta take that off right away because I'll tell you what, the more and more that that is that is just this understanding of, okay, that's who I am then, then you are walking away from what God called you to be. You're walking away from who God called you to be, who God calls you. God has labeled you. You are his son, you are his daughter, you are perfect in his eyes. There is nothing that is about you that is not a perfect sacrifice each and every day, giving each and every moment the Lord God. And the road is not going to be easy. We hear that all the time. The road's not going to be easy. You'll see on the front of your bulletin, there's a, it says, it's following in the footsteps of your father. I know many of you have probably heard the, the poem or, or seen the picture of the two footsteps and they eventually become one. And they say that, well, Jesus carried me. Well, if Jesus is carrying you, then why is life so hard? If Jesus is carrying, why is life so hard? It seems like there should be just drag marks. (laughs) (laughs) But God's a gentleman. Jesus is a gentleman and he loves his children. He loves his bride. So there's two footsteps, and then there's one footstep. And I can imagine what that means is, I know who God is. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. He's constantly by my side. I know who he is, but I don't know him personally. 
And the moment that you know who your father is, you can see the footsteps that he's walked. They're large. And you can just step right in them and just walk along what it says. He says, this is, what, this is the path that I've put, I've put out for you. This is my perfect bowl for your life. Step here, step there, step here, step there. I will constantly just be giving you guidance. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my way. Everything, everything can be found in the goodness and the grace of God's word. And you just got to dig deep into it. I can do, I can say everything that I can say up here. And the moment that you leave, you can just go out. I have no, I have no decision. I have no discernment over what you guys are going to do as soon as you leave here today. But I can just urge you. That's all I have the chance. All the chance I have is to simply urge you to dig deep into God's word, because that's where you're going to find truth. That's where you're going to find truth. Oh, I'm so glad there's no password on the iPad. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. All right. We'll just skip over to Romans 5, verse 8. Romans 5, 8. You ever want to really know who you are, read through Romans. Just blaze through it. And then go through it again and pick it and just start highlighting. You'll highlight the entire thing. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, past tense again, Christ died for us. It is simply God telling you who you are. It's the most important thing that I want you guys to to get a hold of just in your lives is, is just listening to God telling you who you are. You're no longer a sinner. You have no, you are not a slave to sin. I'm going to repeat myself a lot today because that's how you learn things. You just repeat them. Just boom, 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 boom. Okay, I know that. And as you as you take it on your own, because that's the thing, I could I could teach you all day. I could tell you exactly what God has to say, and you could know it up here. And that's what I did for the longest time. I knew it up here, but I didn't understand it, and I didn't believe it because I didn't dig into it myself. It's very important very important that you just dig into it every single day. There needs to be a constant because here's the thing. When was the last time you knew in your head that you didn't you didn't need Jesus? Constantly told I mean I know I know I need Jesus. I know I need this instant because the thing is if you're not, if you know you need Jesus and you're called to just sit at his feet then why are we not constantly in the throne room? Why are we not constantly just sitting and listening to our Father, to our Savior? We're going to go right over into Galatians. Galatians 3. Galatians is good. (laughs) Heard that murmur. It's good. We're jumping all over the place today. Galatians chapter 3. We're starting at verse 23. 
It says in Galatians chapter, chapter 3, verse 23, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, and imprisoned until the coming faith where would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. There are 613 laws in the Bible. If you broke one, you broke them all. About it. Before Christ came and died, there were 613 laws you had to follow. It was an outward expression of your heart. Sacrifice. Because that's what love is. Love is a sacrifice. God loves you. He gave you his son. You love God. You obey. And you understand who God's love is for you and you obey his laws. You obey really the two, the love the, love those, love others uh, as, as, as God loves you and then love your God with all your heart and your mind, your soul and your strength. God broke it down for us. Two. And it says right there that, that we are no longer under that law. Not that the law was, was wrong, the law was perfect. It's exactly what David wrote about. You think about it. Think about if you've ever read any of the Psalms, how, how beautiful and, and wonderful they are. They're, they're, they're amazing. And they're just saying, oh, God, you're so good. You're so perfect. He's reading Leviticus and saying, God, oh, your laws are perfect. You're so good. Everything that is of you is completely separate from, from sin. When was the last time any of you guys read Leviticus and, and said, oh, that's... I bet you you read Leviticus. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> that's rough. But the law was perfect. The law was what God set aside, set, you know, put for us to, to follow. But He knew that in our flesh we couldn't follow it. He knew it. So His plan was to send His Son from the get go. He knew that His Son would have to come and die for our sins. And to set us free. It says, for as many of you, in verse 27, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. It says, there's nobody, nobody's different. Nobody's different. The next few verses says, there's no Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, no male nor female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Well, we just learned, I am the truth, the life, and I am one with the Father. So if we are all one in, in Jesus Christ, we're also one with the Father. And we can go to him. We can just go to him. When Christ died, the, the veil was torn from top to bottom. So that when, since, since okay, so after we are saved, our, our hearts and our minds, they are set free from any kind of sin but we're still living in these fleshly bodies. We're still attacked by the flesh constantly, day to day. Because here's the thing. If, if we were are free in our mind, our heart, and our flesh, we'd never sin. Never sin. 
just wouldn't happen. But we constantly find ourselves doing it. But that's not who we are. I can hear, I can hear the, the, just the, the small voices every time I, every time I, I make a mistake. I say, oh, that's who you are now. And I can tell you right now that there's nothing that is, that is more of a lie from the father of all lies. Because I am saved from sin. I am a son of God. And I am a co-heir with Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And I know that to be true and I know it to be solid. Because God, what God says is never a lie. He is not a man that he should lie. And he says that I am, I am secure. My Holy Spirit has been given to me. I am sealed in it until the day of my inheritance. We're going to go right into, back into Romans. Oh, sorry, nope. Sorry. Yep, yep, Romans, Romans 8. 12 through 17. I got some verses. I know I told you that from the get beginning. No snickering. I got some verses. Romans 8, 12 through 17. Oh, this one's highlighted. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. (coughs) Sorry. My spirit no longer thirsts, but my body does. Why do you think God says things many times? Because that's what he does. He keeps saying the same thing. We're co-heirs. We're no longer slaves to sin. Why do you think that is? It says it right there. He's an Abba, Father. How many of y'all, by raise of hand, have, have, have heard the phrase, have I told you once? I've told you a thousand times. It's because you guys had to hear it more than once. As a good, good father, God knows that we are flawed in the flesh, that we walk not in the flesh, but we are, we are trapped in this, in, this, in this fleshly body, and I, I just got just to gotta move on. That's the one thing I, <coughs> I, tell, I tell my kids, that when, you, when you, you have to understand who you are to be able to walk away from the sin and what, what it tells you who you are. There's a foundation that needs to be there to understand what God says you are, who God says you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. You are one with me. Everything that I have, I want for you. I want goodness and mercy and grace for you. So that when you sin, or no, better yet, if you sin, here we go. 
<laughs> if you sin, you can walk away and say, thank you, Lord God, that's not who I am. You don't let it fester. You don't beat yourself up about it. You'll walk away because that's not who you are anymore. I used to beat myself up about it all the time. Because I didn't dig deep into the word. I went to, went to church. That's where I got my God. And then, like I said, I, I lived. Went to school. Basically, it, things came up. But that's the problem. When you, when, you view the, when you view the world through the eyes of, okay, there's, okay, there's God. And then there's school. And then... There's my family life, that's important, and my friends. i got to hang out with my friends. But the problem is that, that when you incorporate a hierarchy principle to your life where there's God and there's family and then there's... But it should be God and then God and then God and then God and then God. God should develop every single bit of every bit of your relationship with everyone that you have. People need to know who you are and who they are. Because when I tell you that God loves you, it means that God loves you and every single person that, that you come in contact with every single day. The same amount. Here's, here's, here's food for thought. God loves you the very same amount now than he did when you were a sinner. And he loves you no more than when you were a sinner. He loves you the very same amount. There is no principle of, oh, well, you did your homework. Good job. You get a star, and I love you more now. <laughs> there is just unending, complete, and perfect love at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to go to Galatians again. So I need to take the clock off this thing. Keep looking at it. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The problem with, with life is that it, we don't see this constantly. We have to live in a way that we, we have faith and we, we, we live by faith in a life that we can't see, always, we can't always see uh, the physical manifestation of our God. In Galatians 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ooh, I like that. You know what? I didn't even write that down. Verse, let's go to Isaiah 21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. I can tell you right now that the reason why you feel the way you do after, after you sin, even though you are in the grace of God, is because... Once, once you, you make that choice, because there's always going to be an opportunity to not, once you make that choice and say, this is who I am now, you have taken that disgrace and you have more, you've taken that, that, that grace and, and morphed it into disgrace. 
perfect forgiveness. Oh, so I said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So if Christ is living in you, so let's, 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 let's talk about when, when Christ was in, in the desert, in the temptation. Because Christ was tempted with everything. It says that he was, he was tempted in everything so that he would understand what you're dealing with. He knows. He knows exactly every single thing you've ever been tempted with. There's nothing new. When it comes to sin, there's nothing new. It's all been done. It's all been done. It's all been thought of. Everything that it would se- could separate you from God has already been thought of and is already in the earth because that's what the flesh is. So, God says, I will never give you more. I will never allow, <laughs> not give, I will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Here's another thing to hold on to, a little nugget. Uh, a lot of people will take that verse and twist it that says that God will never allow you to have more temptation than you can handle. That's not true. God will allow plenty of temptation. Because here's the thing, if you, if, if you could handle everything, why would you need God? God's never going to allow more temptation than you can bear. Because here's the thing, in that complete understanding of the words as they're put together, then there is more temptation that you couldn't bear. But God's not going to allow that to happen. God is constantly looking out for you because we're not completely separated from God here on earth. We have been given that connection through Jesus Christ. We are not completely separated. That's why there's no torment and gnashing of teeth. You can go off into your job and not gnash your teeth all day. So there's that, that, that the understanding that God's not going to give you something you can't bear. And he's always going to give you an out. And I know that living as a human being, that that's true. There's always going to be that quick moment of, oh, hmm. even if it's for a split second, there's always going to be that moment of, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should just walk away. Maybe I should just go to sleep. Maybe I should do something else. Maybe not put myself in a situation. That's 100% of, of, uh, of allowing yourself to be in a situation. That's what brings sin. That's what brings the temptation, is allowing yourself to be in those situations. You've got to walk away. you just got to walk away. It's just, there's, no, there's not much other, other uh, you know, advice that I could give you apart from the Holy Word of God is to just walk away from it. It says in the Bible to flee temptation. I'm going to correct that, not walk away, flee it. So Jesus is in the desert. He's being tempted for 40 days. He's in the sand and the dirt, and he's constantly being tempted. I don't know if you guys have experienced this yourself, but I have, where I'm going, oh, well, what just passed through my head was pretty screwed up. Maybe I'm not a son of God. Maybe I'm not a child. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not really saved, because that, that that's not okay for my mind to think that. Any kind of temptation that comes your way. But God has already, Jesus already went through all that. Do you think that in the 40 days that, that Jesus was on this earth, he went, am I really the son of God? Because that's not okay. No. No. He knew 
he, who he was through the Father because he had that relationship with him. He constantly had that intake. There was never a time where he was separate from his good Father God. He communed with him. He spoke with him. He listened to his word. He read it. He knew it. And even when he was a child, even when he was a child, his parents who, man, I mean, how can you lose a kid, especially the Especially that which has been said, okay, he's the son of God. God, watch out for him. They're looking through him all through the, all through the, the town, and he's, he's in the temple of all places. He's speaking the word. He's learned it. Not just through memory, not just memorization, but it has become a part of him. It's in his heart. I've hidden my, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a constant... Just push to, this is what I have for you. This is my word. This is, just consume it each and every day. Because, and let's think of it, let's think of our, our minds like a, like a computer. Because what goes in comes out. So if what's coming out of you is not of God, then there's something going in that is not of God. The Bible says that we will be shown by our fruit will be shown by the fruit that, that is born from our, our, our leaves or branches or what have you. So if our, our tree is bearing good fruit, then there's good stuff going in. And if our tree is bearing fruit that is not of God, then something needs to be pruned. So so far, we are free. We've been purchased, redeemed, not a slave to sin, a son or a daughter, a co-heir, one with the Father. Let's go to John 15, verse 13 through 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 13, starts saying, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Oh, let's keep, yeah, let's keep going there. Uh, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So in the Bible it says that many are called and the chosen are few. So when, when God sent his son to die for us, how many of us did he send his son to die for? Each and every one of us. All of us. So, are we not all called? But not all will accept the gift of, of, of Jesus Christ. It's just not going to happen. That's what it says in the word. Many are called, the chosen are few. The moment that, that God sent, decided, I'm going to send my son to die, he said, I'm going to send my son to die for Peter. So that moment I was called, and the moment I said, Jesus, you are my Lord, 
chosen. And it says in his word that there's nothing that's going to pull me away from that. So as soon as I become chosen, I'm a servant of God because a man cannot serve two masters. I no longer serve sin. I no longer serve my own, my own, uh, uh, my own desires and, and the, the desires of my flesh, but I am a servant to God. But the moment that Jesus came and died for our sins, he revealed everything to us, and now we are his friends. So why is it that sometimes we don't feel like we're living in newness of life? I'm going to open it real quick to, to Romans 6, 1 through, 1 through 14. And this is, that's, all, that's all the verses I have today, unless the Holy Spirit wants to speak more. Romans 6, starting at verse 1. And this is Paul, he's talking, explaining what it means to be a Christian, one who lives like Christ. If someone were to see you on the road, if someone were to see you outside, and they see how you live, would they, could they distinguish you from Christ? It says in verse 1, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I, I'm saying all this not to condemn you. That is, there is nothing, I'm, I'm no way trying to condemn you. I am, I'm going to speak the truth. Because this is what it is. It's it's like, are we to keep sinning so that God's grace might just keep, ah, you're good. Here you go. Here's a get out of jail free card. There you go. Boom, 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 boom. No, by no means. It says, God forbid. How can we who died to sin still live in it? There needs to be, and it seems a little strange. I know it did to myself, and I'm sure it seems strange to some of you. It says, well, I'm I'm human. I'm going to sin. Well, that's, it's not gonna, it's if. It's not when, it's if. Because after you have, you have accepted Christ's gift, you have that choice. Before you did not, and now you do. Because that's not how you, who you are anymore. We were, just, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For it goes on to say, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Mm. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, Verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. 
So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present and present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for your righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. It bugs the crud out of me every time I hear a pastor say, oh, you sinners, we're all just sinners. Just, just praying and hoping. So you want to get up on in the pulpit and tell everyone a lie. Because the very moment, and I know I keep saying it, the very moment that you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you are no longer a sinner. You are a son or a daughter. And it says that we were buried with Christ. So that means that my old self is dead. Mm. So as my old self, I was wearing an itchy sweater with my name sewn in wrong. But the world, myself, Satan said it was mine. It would be comfy during the winter season. Well, then it's uncomfortable. So, Jesus comes down and says, that's not your sweater. You take that off right now. Paul's saying here, don't put it back on. It doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. It's not who you are. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sins. sin. Uh, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Continually, each and every day. It's not something that you do once and you go on your merry way and you say, I'm saved. Because when you do that, you're basically saying, I'm saved from hell. Well, great. But haven't you been given the, the kingdom? Well, yeah, but that's something that... Um, well, have I? Because if you've been given the kingdom, if you're welcomed into the kingdom, it starts that day. It doesn't start the moment that you die. Because why... Well, then why are we still living? What is the real purpose of, of, of life? It's simply to go out and just love those around us and to tell others about how good and how awesome our God is. And God is good. He's a good father and he only wants good things for us. It's important that each and every one of you know that first, the moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved not simply from hell, but you are saved from yourself. Because that's who your real problem is. I, I tell you what, I don't care what the devil is doing. I just don't. I don't care anymore. 
I used to care. I used to worry. I used to think, oh, the devil's going to try and trip me up. He will. He'll throw some stuff in your way. But if you're constantly stepping in the steps of your father, his traps are over here. You walk out of the way, yeah, you're probably going to get snared. But God has already set up these steps. Walk where I walk. Because that's where my son walks. There are two things that are very, very important to God. One, you believe what he says. You believe what he says is true. Constantly reminding us. Throughout the whole Bible. And two, you accept the son. So he sent, he sent his son. And his son speaks the truth because, his, because the truth comes from God. It comes from his father. It's a constant outpouring. But I can guarantee you that you, if you are not listening to the truth, then the lies will sound like truth. I know the voice of my shepherd because I'm constantly just, oh, I'm just taking, oh, I just love it. I'm clean, I'm clean and I'm good. I'm just covered in his mercy and his grace. I may not always act like it. And that's where my flesh comes in, and I'm so sorry. To anyone who, who, I've, who I've wronged, anyone who I've hurt, I'm so sorry, and I'm going to try better next time. But that's not who I am. I am not a liar. I am not a thief. I am, I am a son. And you are sons and you are daughters. I'm going to say it over and over again. And it is so important that you read this stuff for yourself. Because when you read it, the Holy Spirit will open your eyes up to new things each and every time you read it. Just perfect truths. And then you see yourself and, you, and you're living it. I'll tell you what I saw the moment that I started reading deep into the, into the Word was that I started worshiping on my own. Nobody had to be around. Make up stuff. That's the thing. That's how you know you're getting old is you hear all the other, you heard all the other words, all the music and all that, and now you're saying, here's something from me. But are you doing it unto God? That's one thing I struggled with when I was young. Is, but I'm not, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a preacher, I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not, a, a, I'm not in the ministry. How am I going to do anything for God? Well, it says in Colossians 3.17, you do everything under the glory of God. That's your ministry, that's your, that's your praise unto God. Is that, so since you were a servant, you were once a sinner, now you're, you were a servant and now you're a friend. Your friend you tell everything to. They know everything about you. You'll find yourself just praising God for the things that have happened that day. But it's also important that it is not just simply a relationship to have a better day. Because that's another folly you can fall right into. Man. My relationship with my God is a relationship with my God. Not a, well, I hope I have a good day today. Hope I have a good day today because... Uh, if I have a good day today, then right back at you, God. 
Um, because what happens when you don't? Was it God's fault? Did he take something from you? No. You're his son. You're his daughter. He wants perfect things from you. But there is a thief out there. There is an enemy that comes to lie, kill, steal, and destroy. And he's been blaming God for everything. He's been biting your heel and pointing at God, saying, that's, that's who did it to you. Your father. The one you say loves you. And he slithers, slithers away like a snake in the grass. But I come to tell you today that the, the perfect will, the perfect goodness, and the perfect word of God says that he only wants good things for you. And the way that you don't just know it in the here and you know it in your heart is to simply just open it up and read it again and again, just letting it just, just love you. And I will never pray that you guys feel God. I won't. I won't do it. Because the, the Bible doesn't call us to feel God. It never says that. It says, I, it says, I would hope that you would know God. That God would simply be a father and a friend to you. A, a heavenly father, our comforter, our Holy Spirit, and our friend in Jesus Christ. The one that gave us the, the greatest gift of love is that he came down and sacrificed himself for each and every one of you that you would simply walk in newness of life. And he would say, come brother, let's, let's keep going. Because that's who we are. We are children and we are co-heirs with Christ. And I am so excited to see each and every one of you just walk out that perfect goodness and newness of life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord God, I thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. Father, I ask that you just please just work it in our lives, Lord God. Just open our eyes to your perfect goodness, Lord God, for your, Lord, that you would open our eyes to who we are in you, Lord God. That you would open our eyes to just to our, our, our names, our, son, our sons and your daughters, Lord God. That you would show us exactly what that means, Lord God. That we would not only hear the word, but be doers of the word also. And that we would see that those around us are, are just loved just as much as we are. And that is unfathomable. Father, I thank you for just who you are and what you're doing in this church, Lord. We know that you love us. Just show us. Open our eyes to who we are this week, Lord. In your precious name I pray, Jesus. Amen.